0: Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, bite Size edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. If I asked you right now, could you clearly explain, could you clearly articulate, how you got to your current level in your career. In this bite-sized edition from episode number 36, Todd Greenberg shares his career path. From starting out as a fitness instructor, and I know this because we used to share a timetable, he got all the cool classes, I got all the late night ones, all the way through to Todd running one of Australia's largest sporting organisations. He was the CEO of the NRL. Todd shares some of the lessons he learned along the way and how each one of the positions he was in ultimately prepared him to run the NRL. And even some of the jobs he said he looks back on, it may have been small, it may be a nuance, but collectively that gave him this superpower or this collection of skills that he drew on. And he actually said he didn't even realise how important that, that build up was until he was in that key position. Yeah, a little bit more about NRL, but before we get there, have you read the book, or this is to get there, have you read the book Range by David Epstein? I have, quite a while ago, but
1: yeah, it's a, it's a great read, well-recommended.
0: One of your former colleagues, I'm sure Matthew Betsy, it's one of his favourite books. I was tipped into this mm. by Betts, the big fella. Mm-hmm. I love that, because if I look at your career from the flamboyant 6pm circuit instructor at in Body Heat, mm. but then after, what did you do straight after university?
1: So after university, I joined Cricket New South Wales. That was my first job. And I was um, with Trevor Bayliss and myself. We were and Belinda Clark and Christina Matthews. We were oh, awesome legends there. De- development officers uh, the very advent of Kanga Cricket. So we were in tracksuits, going out to schools, teaching kids how to hit a cricket ball. So that was my first foray straight after university.
0: And then you went to NRL after that? You went to the Bulldogs? Yeah,
1: I went to the Bulldogs in a um, sort of a commercial operational role for a couple of years. And then... From there i went into the stadium business and i worked for venues and stadiums primarily at the olympic stadium on the back of the sydney olympics in 2000 and that's really where i cut my teeth commercially it gave me an opportunity to get under the skin of every sports business model and it was at a time when you know the wallabies were flying through the rugby world cup in 03 origins grand finals we had uh, concerts we had afl we had cricket played at that stadium so for me I, i got under the hood of every model commercially of every sport and uh, it gave me great insight into how sport was run so you, we knew that emotional connection but for me it taught me the commerciality of sport which really it is it's it's big business and uh needs to be treated like a business but run like a sport
0: and then you went from there to ceo of the bulldogs
1: that's right so i spent uh nearly seven or eight years at the stadium and um i had a great job there really enjoyed myself no one knew who i was i had no profile i'd never done a media interview and Before I knew it, I was standing in front of the cameras as the youngest CEO in the National Rugby League, standing out in front of Belmore. What age were you? I was mid-30s at that time. That's young. And they took a real chance on me. And I remember coming home, talking to Lisa, when Dr. George Proponis was the chairman there. We talk about great people and great mentors and great chairs who you work with. There's none better than Dr. George who who gave me a shot. And I remember coming home to Lisa saying, you're not going to believe it, but they've offered me this job. And... Boy, I'm not sure I'm ready, but I'm going to give it everything because this is an opportunity of a lifetime. And I owe Dr. George a huge gratitude because sometimes in your professional career, it's actually the hardest part is actually not doing the job. The hardest part sometimes being given the opportunity to have a crack. And Dr. George saw something in me and I was always very, very conscious to repay him.
0: And that was obviously great grounding to really know the NRL business model. You had success with the Bulldogs. You made a number of changes. It's interesting, just coaching psychology term, Todd, you get on the balcony and look down rather than on the dance floor and scrapping. If I get on the balcony with you, it almost seems orchestrated getting to NRL CEO. If you could reverse engineer a career path to go get some work in sport that you love, cricket, an easier entry. When cricket was really going through the early phases of professionalism, T20, where it's at now, we'll get to how different is cricket. Unbelievable the change. But then to work at NRL in the lower levels, work for stadiums, it almost seems like this was orchestrated, Todd Greenberg.
1: love to tell you that I wrote the script beforehand, but as I said earlier, you know, sometimes timing chooses you, you don't choose the timing. And, um, you know, I was always ambitious I am ambitious and I, and I don't think ambition should be seen as a dirty word I think ambition should be cultivated should be encouraged i I'm, I'm really encouraging all of my staff to be ambitious I want to see them take the next step I want to help them grow and, and on my journey other people have afforded me that chance too so yeah I wouldn't say it was orchestrated but I've always been ambitious to try um, and and take on a challenge and Working in rugby league is a challenge. Uh, running a club is, is a hell of a challenge, particularly when you first arrive and the team wins a wooden spoon and, you know, you're at the very bottom of the barrel. But people always told me, buy your stock when it's low. So that's what we did there. And, you know, watching that club rise and get taking them to a grand final and those sorts of things was unbelievably liberating and so satisfying. Uh, and then the opportunity to go from there into the governing body was the same thing, a, a great opportunity, not... Not knowing for a minute how hard it was going to be, thinking you might know, but not really knowing until you get there. So, again, cracking opportunities, you roll your sleeves up. We used to have a phrase inside the NRL quite often where we knew something was going to happen that day, or you get that phone call late at night. Today we've got to put the mouthguard in and put the strap headgear on, and it's going to be hard, right? We're going to fight down hard. We're going to get through this. Why? Because this is what we're paid to do, and we've got to make the best decisions, which quite often won't be popular. It doesn't mean they're not right. And in leadership. Sometimes people confuse that popularity with leadership. I don't think they're they're anything like it. Uh, quite often I made decisions that were not very popular, but they were fundamentally right.
0: Hi again, it's Andrew and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence Podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues, by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience, and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite, or purchasing one of the books I've written, including Matchfit, Or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.